So I'm thrilled to be kicking off Advent. So Christmas is my favourite time of year. Um, Mum used to call me like the Christmas fairy or if, um, you know, people having trouble getting into the Christmas spirit, she's like, I'll send Ash to live with you for a few days. Um, it'd be kind of nice if that was out of my house just for a little while. I could never understand why she would get stressed in the lead up to Christmas. And now I'm like, oh, starting to get it a little bit more uh, the older I get. But Advent, um, I realise lots of people these days don't know what it is. So I was discussing with a friend from work how we're making the clay decorations and she's just like, what's that got to do with Advent calendars? And I was like, wow, that's right. That's people's frame of reference is, you know, chocolate Advent calendars and opening up a window each night in the lead up to Christmas. Um, But uh, as as a church community... Um, We actually know a little bit more, hopefully. Uh, So I'm just going to clarify for everyone today. So Advent actually means arrival or coming. And it's a four-week season in the church calendar dedicated to anticipating the arrival or the advent of Jesus of Nazareth, the long-awaited Messiah and King. So Christians from many backgrounds celebrate this time with reflections on hope, peace, love, and joy. Well, joy and love, but that's all right. So traditionally, um, if you had maybe attended a more traditional church in the past or a traditional uh, school, um, I remember at Concordia having like an Advent wreath on the altar and a candle was lit each week. And it would progressively get lit. So the get lit. So the first week, the hope candle would always be really quite small at the end because that continued to be lit um, until the last week. You know when um, the love candle was lit, and that was traditionally in the middle of the wreath. So there was the first advent, so arrival of Jesus that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And any guesses how long that was before Jesus's birth? 700 years. So Isaiah um, started talking about it and people were probably getting pretty psyched and going, sorry guys, 700 years. Um, but now we've waited even longer. So we're waiting for the second advent or arrival of Jesus. And this has been over 2000 years. We're looking forward in hope and expectation for Jesus coming again, as well as looking behind in thanksgiving at what he did for us at his first arrival. So this biblical meaning of hope is different than the secular meaning of what our non-church-going, church-loving friends um, might think of as hope. So I was listening to a message this week um, by Tim Mackey from The Bible Project and he talked about hope without Jesus is often just optimism or wishful thinking. And this has even made its way into how we talk about hope um, and even how we talk about Christmas. Uh, How many times have you said to a child, what are you hoping for this Christmas? What are you wishing for? 
what do you wish Santa might put beneath the tree? So hope and wish kind of becomes synonymous, like hope it happens, it might not, it could be a bit far-fetched, but maybe it's just a bit too much um, to be asking for. So I was super depressed when I read that the first listed definition of hope in the Oxford English Dictionary is to want something to happen and think that it's possible. And then the example given was, all we can do now is wait and hope. And I was like, that is, that makes me so sad that hope is like a last resort. Um, and, oh, well, we'll just hope now because we've done everything and um, we'll just have to kind of put up with it and hope that it happens. But I'm so glad that our, when we talk about Christian hope, um, it is so different. So Tim Mackey, in the message that I referred to earlier, talks about biblical Christian hope as a spiritual discipline that believers have to build and cultivate throughout their lives. He states that what you hope, what you hope for shapes what you live for. Wow. He refers to hope as anticipating a future that is better than the present. So who's feeling better about this already? <laughs> In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words for hope. There is the word yahal, which is to wait for, and the word kavar, which can be translated as to wait, but it's actually related to the Hebrew word kav which means cord. So you think, what has that got to do with hope? But it's about when you pull a cord tight, there's a state of tension until there is release. So kavar is the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. So I love that because it actually, you know, talks about an investment, like we are hoping we are waiting, we are being stretched, and we are anticipating that God is going to do what he said he would do. So in the time of the Old Testament prophet, um, when Israel, they were being persecuted by Assyria, and they're also in a state of self-destruction um, and sin, and it was a big, big mess. So Isaiah in this time said that I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob and I will cover, I will hope in him. So the hope that Isaiah had was actually for God himself. And in fact, in Isaiah chapter nine, so just the very next chapter, Isaiah prophesies the coming of Jesus in a famous passage of scripture that we often associate with Christmas. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So the Israelites hoped for the coming of their saviour that would end their suffering. 
And this is the same thing I think our hearts are longing for now, for our suffering to end, for Jesus to make everything new, to wipe every tear from our eyes, to give us our heavenly bodies, amen, and to take us home to be with him for all eternity. So I believe this next verse sums up our current experience. It's Romans 8, 23 to 25 from the Passion Translation. It says, We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed, for this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set of what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfilment. So what to do with this? It's one thing to hope for eternity, but how do we hope in the middle, in the waiting, in this life that we are living between the two advents? So like the Israelites were in a time of prolonged suffering before the first advent, you may also feel stretched, kavar, as you wait for him to rescue you from your current suffering. So some of you, are, well, most of you are probably aware of the suffering that's happened in our family this year. Um, so I'll just give a quick recap. Um, so my mum, uh, start of August, middle of August, July, oh my goodness. Um, so she came down rapidly, very, very unwell with a series of migraines, um, which resulted in a 48-hour stint of um, hallucinations and all sorts of neurological symptoms. Um, and we took her into the Royal Adelaide, kind of not knowing what it was. As an occupational therapist, I thought she was having a stroke. So she was complaining about one side of her, like one eye being blurry and um, it was quite a traumatic uh, event as these things are when you have to rush a family member to emergency. And it was three and a half weeks of tests upon tests of theories upon theories um, where they thought maybe she had contracted infectious disease in Fiji. or perhaps their main working theory was that her cancer had returned, but it had gone to her brain. So there was quite a stint there <laughs> um, where they said, yep, yeah, we're very sorry. Um, this is actually the end for you. We can make you comfortable. Um, and they started talking about palliative radiation, um, all sorts of things. And it was, it was just absolutely, um, terrifying. So, um, in this time, it was very hard to hope. <laughs> um, and lots of people will attest to this because not in the front row, um, with all the ups and downs, but, um, 
just to give reference, I'm going to be referring kind of back to that time um, as I go through my message. Um, but I think the song we sang before about hope has a name is a great reminder. So our hope is not just in what Jesus will do one day, but our hope is Jesus. He is hope embodied. He is living hope. And no matter what happens, we have him with us. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, it says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. His, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. For though, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So God actually never promises that things will be easy, but he has given us hope himself in Jesus. So I would like to talk about how practically we can hope in hopeless situations and reflecting upon mum's time in hospital and the things we did as a family to keep hope in Jesus. Um, I've put together like a hope strategy for you all. <laughs> so these are the practices that certainly kept me tethered to hope um, in the weeks we sat in a hospital room waiting for answers. So my first one is focus, eyes on Jesus. So whatever you do, keep your eyes on the living hope. Who knows that when you're in a time like that, wordy prayers just seem impossible. That all you can do often is just to say the name Jesus just focus your mind on him and breathe. A friend of mine talks about arrow prayers, where sometimes all you can say is, Jesus, help. <laughs> and that's actually good enough. <laughs> that's all it has to be. In Hebrews 12 too, it says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. I found that the moment, the very moment I took my eyes off of Jesus, the fear, the anxiety, the overwhelm, the panic, the feeling of needing to vomit would all come back. And as soon as I would refocus and steady my eyes on Jesus, the worst of that would fall away. Remember. So this is strategy number two <laughs> for those of you taking notes. You can't really have hope without gratitude. If you don't see and acknowledge what God has already done, you actually have no basis of hope for the future. Why would God do again what he hasn't done in the past? But the good thing is he has been good to you. I can look around and tell you that all of you, God has been good to you. You live in this wonderful country, in this wonderful city. You're probably amongst the world's most wealthy um, 
when you look at percentage-wise uh, of, of wealth levels in the world, you have something to thank God for. And that actually gives you the foundation to go, God is good to me. He's going to continue to be good to me in the future. Psalm 77 verses 11 to 12 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. So, yeah, one of the only ways I could assure myself that God was with us as a family and was with mum in her hospital bed as she suffered was to remember all the ways he had been with me and our family before. He was the same God. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He has not changed, even though your circumstances do. The third strategy is praise. So choose to praise. You really only have two choices <laughs> when it comes to a horrible situation. You could despair, which is totally called for. Absolutely. Uh, I don't want to deny anyone's feelings or say that that is not real, but you could stay there or you could praise. So George gave us a great list a few weeks ago of his current, you know, worship playlist. And it got me thinking about uh, what I listened to in when mum was in hospital. Um, I played Elevations more than able on repeat. <laughs> I would often, if I was just feeling really overwhelmed and it was a time in between doctor's visits, I would just kind of withdraw to the side of the room, put in my earbuds and listen. God is more than able. And then, you know, when doctors did come in and they're like, oh, very sorry, Mrs. Britton, you know, your brain is full of cancer and Okay, God is more than able. <laughs> um, because that was the choice. That was the choice I had. I could give in to the fear of what they were saying or I could praise. So what was amazing <laughs> was that this is the song I sang in suffering, but it actually ended as a song of victory. And now when I sing it, I go, God is more than able. Um, so for those who don't know, um, it was not brain cancer as they had thought. So they had started mum on really high dose steroids because she was just so unwell. And the general medicine team were like, we just need to do something to make this woman feel better for a few days and kind of buy us some time while we're waiting for all these test results to come back and while we're waiting for this confirmation of cancer. Um, and if it's cancer, it's not going to hurt her. Like, let's just pump this, pump this lady full. Um, and then uh, David and I were taking mum to one of her, her tests on the other side of the hospital and the oncology um, registrar was like running after us like, Liz, Liz. And I was like, oh my gosh. You know, this guy's flipped his lid. He's, he's gone a bit crazy. He's like, he's, up, he's doubled over. It's not cancer. It's not cancer. And we're like, oh my goodness. Like, what? what is it? And he's like, well, we, we don't know yet. But the, uh, 
but the the steroids are like actually showing that the disease is melting away. Like the in the in the imaging that they did, they're like, this doesn't happen with cancer. It doesn't disappear like this. And so we were like the the relief. Uh, David and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And Mum's like, oh, okay. And she gets wheeled off into her next test. <laughs> um, but it was um, amazing to go. God came through in a big way. Um, and that leads me to the last in our hope strategy is to hold on, hold on to the promises of God. So what about when God's promises seem impossible, too good to be true, or when they seem like a point blank lie compared to the situation around you? So there came to a point in mum's hospital stay um, before that. Uh, big relief I just talked about where I really began to lose hope. I really started to panic. I doubted all of God's promises. If this was healing or living abundantly, like God promised, I sure wasn't seeing it. I went, this, is this just a book of lies? <laughs> you know, you go to that place when you're in a deep, dark hole and I don't want this to sound flippant um, because it hurt and it took help from others, took a good smack around from Vicky and Loretta one day in the hospital to go, stop it. Um, You've got a choice here. You know, you can stand on these promises or you can go into panic. And honestly, sometimes fully believing the promises of God in these moments is a leap of faith. So I just chose to believe that God was good. Would he heal my mum? Was it brain cancer? I had just decided to believe he was good and he would carry us through it. So I thought you would get teary at this year. I didn't put on the scar. So we actually came to a point where we were like, we had to know that God was good. Had mum lived? Had she died? So we knew mum had talked about being ready to meet Jesus without seeing him on the cross. She was ready. She was full of faith. And it was, it was the rest of us. As the rest of us that weren't ready, it was the rest of us that were struggling to believe that God was good, that she in her pain in her hospital bed, looking at a palliative diagnosis, was just in love with Jesus. So it really, it really hit home to me that the ultimate hope and promise we hold on to is to see Jesus face to face, for us to know him and for him to know us. I don't know about you, but when I go to heaven one day, I want to look in the face of Jesus and it be familiar to me. I don't want to look at him. Oh, sorry, my earrings. (laughs) I don't want to look at him and go, I don't know who you are. 
And for him to be like, I wish you'd gotten to know me better. So I want to encourage you to take hold of him today. As we sing again in a minute, I want to encourage you to focus your eyes on Jesus, our ultimate hope. So could the band please come back up? Sorry, Georgia. <laughs> up. Um, so I really just want to pray for everyone here this morning. Um, for those who maybe have never known Jesus and never known the hope, the living hope himself. I'd like to pray for you that today that you would want to meet him. It's so worth it. It's the best decision I ever made. (laughs) And I pray this morning, if you don't know him or you are far from him, that you come back to him this morning and meet him face to face. But for those of you who are suffering, the other group I really wanted to pray for, I want you to know that Jesus is with you. And that is not just some empty platitude. He is a living hope. He never changes. He never leaves. He's always there. So I would like to pray that this morning that you feel his presence close to you. So let's close our eyes and pray. Thank you, Jesus. For those people who are far from you, have not met you, have walked away or have gotten distracted. We pray this morning, Lord, that as we sing and as we pray and as we meditate on your presence, Father, that they would return to you this morning, God. Also pray for those people who are suffering. They're struggling to see your goodness. They're struggling to believe your words. They're struggling to keep their eyes on you. Pray this morning, Lord, that you would make your presence felt to them, Lord, that they would make a choice to fix their eyes on you and just believe you, no matter the outcome. In Jesus' name, amen. And if today, if that was the first time that you committed to know Jesus or you committed to come back to him again. Um, There'll be people down here after the service, um, myself included, ready to pray with you. So please come and pray with us. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to connect you in with other people. And please come down too if you would like some prayer about your season of suffering or you have a prayer request that you want prayer for, please, please come forward. But now we're going to sing this song again. Hope has a name. And we're just going to rejoice in his presence this morning.